Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast, where we help you build your events empire by building profitable events while having fun at the same time. So we've had a bit of a break over the summer, really since the start of the year, you know. I was really busy with my company Apps Events during the pandemic. Uh, I talked about that on the last call with James. You know, we, we transitioned to doing a lot of work for Google, running a lot of online events, doing different stuff. Um, so I was just really busy, but I've really missed doing the events podcast and we're still getting great views. We're actually a top 10% of all podcasts in the world still, which is amazing as it's a very niche thing. But I want to say a couple of things. Firstly, if you enjoy the podcast, please get in touch with me. Like uh, most people don't give me any feedback and, and getting feedback really encourages me to make more episodes. Just email me at dan at appsevents.com, D-A-N at appsevents.com. Even better, if you can give us a review, uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast, please stop right now in iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever you are, and please leave us a review if possible, five stars, of course, would be great. Back to the podcast. So we, we really focus on helping event entrepreneurs run amazing events, and that could be people who run events companies, but also just as many people, maybe more, are entrepreneurs who just run events as part of their business. You know, they might run events to promote something else, they might run meetups, they might run one big conference a year. This is the kind of people I want to help, you know, because I, I run events myself. So, you know, this podcast is kind of like therapy for me where I get help and assistance on how to run the event. So please, again, leave some feedback. Uh, and secondly, obviously there's a lot of costs associating with this podcast. I've got two people who help me out with editing and graphics and everything else. So if you're a sponsor, possibly you're a software company who um, sells to the event industry, then and you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, like I said, it's a top 10% podcast, please get in touch. Uh, we'd love to talk to you, danapsevents.com, and it'd be great to talk. So thank you very much. Uh, and now on to the interview. Hello and welcome to the events podcast. Today, I want to do a solo episode. This is my, I think, second solo episode. I did one in Dubai back in November. And I'm actually back in the Middle East. I'm in Bahrain, uh, which is an island in the Gulf, Arabian Gulf, just off the coast of Saudi Arabia, close to Qatar. I'll get into why I'm here. But even though I was in Dubai the last time I recorded, I've been back in Europe for the winter. So I'm going to talk a bit about travel plans and what I've been up to. And then we're going to talk a bit about events and what I see the outlook is. So firstly, my situation, I think I've mentioned it before in the pod, but I've got two young children, um, almost two and almost four. So both like under school age, uh, my wife works doing some stuff online right now. She's been on maternity leave. She had a regular job. So we've got a lot of flexibility. She loves travel. I love travel. So now we've been trying to work out a situation where we can basically travel to some different countries and still do some work. And so it's been really fantastic for me. I'm fortunate in that. My company, Apps Events, which I founded and now run with my partner, James Sayer, uh, is global. So we run events all around the world. And, and again, the company's transitioned. It's, it's very much a, an education company. And I'll talk a bit about what we've been doing. But it's flexible. So I, I figured out pretty early on, why don't I do, you know, move around with the family? Like, I love living abroad. I want to live in some different places. I'm not, it's not like I have to just take a job and live somewhere for three years. We can try somewhere out. So that's what we're doing. Um, we tried Dubai for a couple of months last year, which is fantastic. We went back for, for Christmas. Now, we, I live in Prague in the Czech Republic. So we went back to Prague, uh, saw some friends, <clears throat> and actually went to England. So I've got my university friends I'm still very close to. We had a big new year. I mean, they get together every new year. I've just 
Uh, I've been very uh, remiss. I've missed quite a few of them, but I really want to start doing it again because it's like my closest friends. We've been friends for 30 years right now. So I, I went and joined them. It was a huge farm in Oxfordshire. Vibes were there. It was really fantastic. Lots of kids, lots of dogs. It was a, a great event. Um, and then Austria. Um, I'm very fortunate we've got a ski apartment in, in the Austrian Alps. Uh, and I spend a lot of time there. I used to be a snowboard instructor there, so I've got a real connection to the place. My brother discovered this village. He built some apartments there. He's a property developer. So I've been going there for a long time. And so we went, we spent about five or six weeks down there, which was amazing. My, my sister and her family were there. My brother and his family were there. Although the day after we arrived, it was like a now disaster struck. We got COVID literally the day we arrived. So we were in quarantine for five days. Kids were okay. My wife and myself tested positive. We weren't too sick, actually. It was just one day, a bit of a cold. So we held up. You know, it was a nice place to be, although it was a shame. We can see the ski lift from our apartment. So we were watching all the people having fun while we were staying at home. But, you know, world's smallest violin. I know it could, it could have been a lot worse. So we, we, um, we stayed there for five weeks. And I was really, you know, I take some time at the start of the year to do some planning. And, I like to take some time off in January. You know, it's Christmas, New Year. I love the mountains. I want to spend time there. I want to spend more time there even. So that's usually a good time for me to take some time off because when the year starts, it's kind of full on. Normally, there's a big trade show we attend called BET in London at the end of January. Or January but maybe the third week of January normally. That's a kickoff of the year for me. Now, that didn't happen this year, although it was canceled very late. It's actually happening. Uh, in two weeks, I'm actually flying back to London for it, but I'll, I'll get back to that. So I like to try to take some time off at the start of the year. Um, and then because, uh, so we're an education company, I'm an educator and we work with international schools. So um, schools have a real cadence to their year. And obviously the summer holidays is a big thing. Most schools, give or take, are off for July and August, especially private international schools, which is most of the schools we work with. So it means I can take a good time off in the summer. And that's normally a time I want to be, you know, either in Europe seeing friends or in Asia doing some surfing. Uh, you know, it's not possible to take two months off. That would be great, but it is possible to get a good break. You know, no one's around, everyone we deal with. You've still got to work. You've still got to do some planning. You've still got to be, get ready for the next year. But um, that's a good time. So I'm lucky that, you know, I try to take some time off end of the year. You know, I, I always, there's an, I'm a, there's an entrepreneurial group I'm a, I'm a member of. It's called the Dynamite Circle. And they have a conference in late October in Bangkok, and it's a highlight of my year, although I'm really, you know, I've really missed it during the COVID times. But, you know, I, I almost like aim for the end of October, that conference has been my kind of year end. So I can meet everyone, break, you know, talk about what we've been up to, think about the next year. Uh, even though I still end up working till, you know, till Christmas, but that's kind of a good, a good staging point for me. It's like, how, how are we doing? Like, and it makes me really, you know, want to achieve something by, by October. So I had a bit of a break. And then we were thinking, what do we do this year? I'm, I'm still thinking of, of living in the Middle East. And the reason is because, um, geographic location, you know, we work with schools all around the world, uh, which means I need to be in Europe a lot. I need to be in Asia a lot. And I don't need to be, you know, I, I, I like it. You know, I want to go visit these countries. I, I love it. I'm a traveler, you know. Um, so it's great because if you think about the location of somewhere like here or Dubai, it's five or six hours to Europe. It's the same to Asia. You can get to India in three hours. The only place it's not good for is America. But if you're dealing mostly with Asia and Europe, it's very convenient, very easy to get backwards and forwards. So um, I'm thinking about it, you know, and also you can set up a business here. It's quite tax efficient if you live here. Um, and, and we'll see, you know, I'm actually, so we're planning on, st on staying here till the summer, then we're going to go back home. And then 
I think Asia, honestly, we've got now Asia is opening up and there's a, if, if fingers crossed, things go ahead, there's going to be a lot of conferences in Asia in October. So hopefully going to go back to Asia again. So let's see, the plan is now Middle East, back home for a couple of months and then Asia. But I want to talk about a few things, talk about events. But first I want to talk about Bahrain. It's an interesting place. I bet a lot of you listening to this have never been here. Uh, so it's an island in the Arabian Gulf. It's very small, you know. It's interesting. Um, a lot of the people live at the north of the island. Most of the south is, is, is not populated. Or I think it's owned by the royal family, a lot of it. Uh, it's very open. Like you have, you have an image of the Middle East as being very conservative. And, and of course, there is that part of society here, but it's very open. I mean, there's a lot of bars and restaurants. So you can go to a, out for a drink in a bar. It's completely normal. Um, so it's really different. You know, it, it's very... Someone described Bahrain to me as like feeling like it's stuck in the 80s or 90s. And it's really true. It feels a bit old fashioned, which is, you know, but I like Dubai, but Dubai was a bit too much razzmatazz for me. Maybe, maybe I'm a bit of a country boy, but I really found it a little bit too much, you know. Whereas Bahrain is very chill. It's a very old fashioned expat life. People say it's a village, you know, there's not actually that many foreigners. So you get to meet a lot of people. And you actually get to know Bahrainis here, which is, which is interesting, you know, in Dubai. There's not as many local Emiratis, and most of them, you know, don't seem as as keen to meet foreigners. Maybe just because of the numbers, there's just not that many of them. But here, a lot more Bahrainis. For example, I'm working in this co-working space. It's I think all, or as far as I can tell, all Bahrainis and Saudis. All really cool. Got to know a few of them. Uh, just meet people out. You know, it's it's a sociable place, and I think it's a quite unique place in the Middle East. Um, you know, there's a few other places. I think Lebanon's quite open and some other places, but this is really uh, an interesting place to visit. Um, it's strange. It's kind of half empty, you know. There's like empty building lots everywhere. And apparently they're all owned by someone. They're just waiting for the right time to build. So you'll drive along and there'll be a huge apartment building and then like three empty lots and then another one. And it's, it's really strange. We're staying in the north of the island, which is there's a huge reclaimed area called Amwaj and another few islands. It's built these islands out of nothing, just dredged up the sand and built new islands, which is bizarre as most of the island is empty, but apparently it's cheaper to build a new island than to build on the existing island, which is, which is bizarre. But um, it's a great place we're staying in. It's called Tala. It's very expatty. It's, um, it's kind of a gated community, which I never would have thought I would enjoy, but with small kids, it's perfect. There's a big beach. There's kids play area which is amazing you know we've got an apartment but you just take take kids straight out they can run around the playground they can there's a football area there's gym there's um you know tennis basketball it's like it's almost like a holiday resort but it's all people that live there people that live there and work there a lot of foreigners still a majority you know majority of Bahrainis I think as far as I can tell but uh got a supermarket and it's great it's a bit of a drive we've rented a car which my wife is using the kids are in preschool I'm just I'm just taking Ubers everywhere I love Uber, honestly. Like I, I know um, a lot of car guys are probably listening to this. Guys and girls saying they love to drive. I'm happy for someone to drive me around. You know, I don't need it. I like. I stick a podcast on. I'm a podcast junkie. I just podcast, drive around, and it's been good. Um, one of the reasons to come here. A lot of international schools. Here. I've been meeting schools. People are very open to meet. Not a lot. Not a lot of people come here. So I've been meeting a lot of schools. They're our customers. They're people I work with. So it's been great doing a lot of meetings. Also, Saudi Arabia, that's another big reason to come here. Um, I want to cross the border to go and check out Saudi Arabia. There's, so Bahrain's an island. There's a bridge that connects the island to Saudi Arabia. I think it's 25 kilometers long. It's a huge bridge. And on the other side, there's a big conurbation. There's Daman, Al-Kabar, and another 
another city. It's almost like Hong Kong, I think. You've got the Hong Kong, and then you've got the Chinese, you've got Shenzhen and Guangzhou province. It's almost like the kind of hinterland. A lot of people want to live in in Bahrain, it's a, especially if you're a Western country, it's a lot freer society. So they live here and they cross the border to work in Saudi. I mean, some just go there in the morning, commute back. Some stay during the week, three, four, five days during the week. Uh, and some drive all the way to, to uh, Riyadh, which I think is uh, five hours, maybe. It's the capital of Saudi Arabia. So I'm going to visit Saudi. First time for me. Obviously, you know, controversial country. I'm very interested to meet some teachers there, meet some schools there. Um, you know, schools are schools all around the world. And I'm looking forward to getting across to Saudi Arabia. So I'm going to drive across to Daman and then I'm going to fly to Riyadh. I'm going to do at least two trips to go visit them. So that's it. You know, Bahrain, fascinating place. Um, would I recommend it to visit? You know, it's, not, it's almost no tourism here. You know, people come here to work and a lot of really interesting expats, kind of different to the type you'd normally meet. You know, a lot of people in oil and gas, a lot of people um, working in the military. There's a huge US base here and there's a Royal Navy base here, right? I mean, I can almost see it from, from here. Um, and it's a lot of foreigners doing, doing these kind of jobs. You know, there's also... Um, just just a lot of different types of people, you know, like mostly people working here, you know, there's not like Patricia, my wife, she had a friend came out and she, she stayed for four days and she did every tourist site, you know, there's a couple of forts, there's a museum, um, there's a tree of life, which is a tree growing in the desert. Um, so not that much to do, but there's a, there's a few big things. The Grand Prix is here, the Bahrain Grand Prix. I took my son to the testing day a couple of days ago, which is fantastic. So probably going to go to the, the Grand Prix this weekend. It's a really livable place, you know. You can set up now. I, will, I was also thinking, as I mentioned, about incorporating a company here. I've looked into it. It doesn't seem to me to be set up as much like Dubai for people like me that run a global business, like, for example, Dubai. A lot of people, you set up a business in the, in the free trade zones. You know, you're invoicing customers like we are in Asia or Europe, America, everywhere. You um, make yourself resident there. And you can have a very good tax situation. You know, obviously there is a tax. The tax is the high cost of living, but effectively, you know, you won't be paying any corporation tax. And you can do the same thing here. And I was thinking about it here, although it seems to me, from having looked into it a little bit, that most people here have local businesses. They don't do it uh, like the Dubai thing, where you have an international business. So, many of you people have international events companies. I'm sure some of you are already based in Dubai. I know a lot are. Uh, this, this could be an interesting place, but it doesn't quite seem ready for it. Now, would I rather live here or Dubai? I would rather live here. You know what's interesting is we spent a month here uh, and we were planning on going this weekend to Dubai for two months. So the plan was one month Bahrain, two months Dubai. We've now canned that plan. We're going to stay in, Dubai, in Bahrain for three months. My wife loves it. Like I said, we've got the whole beach life here. Got to know some cool expats. You know, it's a place like, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. Like for me, it's a place I can get to know people. It's not so hectic. Um, you know, London, it's, Dubai is like London, you know, it's like a huge place. You're never going to bump into people you know. It's just a huge city. And, and don't get me wrong, I had a great time in London after university. I lived there and I still like cities, you know. I'm still thinking about living in Hong Kong even. I'm not against cities, but I just like a smaller, slower pace of life here where you get, get to know some people. It's really cool. And like I said, a lot of interesting characters, you know, all sorts of people running different businesses, um, a lot of entrepreneurial types here, you know, there's a few chances here doing different sorts of stuff. So it's, it's an interesting place. Uh, bit of a mixture between East and West and, and the Middle East. So I, I'd, I'd say check it out. It's very interesting. And, and it's a place that no one, no one really visits. So a bit about events. So online conferences I want to talk about a little bit. I 
I've had enough of online conferences. And I'm sorry if you're a person that runs online conferences or if you're a person that has software, please send me an email, tell me what I'm wrong about, we'll get you on the pod. But I just think I've had enough. Like, I don't enjoy it. I, I can't sit, I spend so much time in front of my screen. I don't want to see more content. I don't have the time to watch more content. If I'm watching it, there's too many distractions. If I'm at home or in the office to do other things, emails popping up and things going on. I find it hard. I, I know that the online conference producers, the clever ones have changed their strategy. And now, of course, you get access to the material. You can listen or watch, watch it anytime. I think that's obviously the right way to do it. I know these, some of these platforms have some good networking tools built in some, where you can even walk around a virtual exhibitors area. For me, it's just not what I enjoy. I'm an in-person person and I can't wait to get back into it. And I'm going to talk a bit about that. I think the huge advantage of online is I think there's going to be a big move to hybrid. And it's not just me. It's obviously a lot of people saying this. You know, it's, I think now event producers, <clears throat> and hopefully this year we're going to be back in, in a normal situation, have realized there's a whole separate revenue stream they can have for people that pay for online access to the conference so you know you buy access to the stream and i think this is going to be a big obviously you've got the cost of having video production website development etc to get your content up but then as long as you can sell more online tickets to cover that cost and you're, you're ahead and you've grown your audience so i think that's going to be an increasingly big thing but online conferences i mean we have been running them you know we've run our own online conferences but we've made them free and, and i know i'm in a very fortunate situation we don't have to charge our business, pre-COVID, was almost entirely live events, Google summits for schools and training events. And that all went away. And we managed to pivot the business to be much more of doing software and services. So we're reselling some Google workspace for schools. We're, we're doing online training, a lot of online training. That, that works really well. You know, we've adjusted the format from like a full day training will now be split over, you know, three or four two-hour sessions. So we've really changed the format. I think that's everyone is doing that. But we were lucky enough not to have to rely on money for conferences. You know, we managed to pivot. Uh, and it wasn't easy. I'm, you know, I'm saying this like it was something that happened overnight. It was a lot of late nights and a lot of struggle, but we've done other things. So we've, we've, we've put our content out kind of as a loss leader. You know, great content. People can watch it. You know, we're getting, you know, getting 20,000 a month views on our YouTube channel now. So it's not huge by any means, but it is good. You know, I know that's like a, we, we've, hit, we've got above that beginner level we're getting a lot of people watching our content and it helps you know these are people that might purchase our content might come to an event might be someone we become friends with you know that someone we get a contact with someone who might speak at our event it all, it's all helping us get the word out so i think online is great i think you can put it out for free of course the downside of putting it out for free is people feel it might devalue the brand that people don't want to pay for it i'm not sure time will tell but let's see but the, the events world is opening up I got invited to speak at a conference in Oman in two weeks. Um, I'm getting my you know, flights and hotel paid. I'm not getting any fee, which is fine. I don't ever want to make, I don't ever try to make money from speaking at events. For me, it's all about making the contacts. So I'm doing that. I'm flying to London for BET. I mentioned it's been postponed from January. So that's taking place. And for me, it seems that Europe, Middle East, and the US is open for business for events. The US especially, we're running a big conference in Florida in August. The UK, everything's starting to happen again. Middle East, it's already been happening since, since last November. Fingers crossed. I don't want to jinx it. You know, my opinion about COVID has stayed the same for a while now. I think unless there's a really virulent strain comes in again, I think we've got to learn to live with it. We've got to live a normal life, 
protect vulnerable people, obviously, and get on with it. And I think most of you probably agree if you're in the events business, we've just got to get back to it. I think this year it's going to open up, and I think it has opened up. And I think if you're not sure about pulling the trigger on running an event, I think do it now. I think just one piece of advice is protect the downside. If you're booking a venue, get good cancellation terms. Most hotels will let you cancel maybe up to a month or two before. I know some big exhibition centers won't necessarily let you do that, but get it booked in. Let's get back to running events. Let's do it. Now, I know the exception is Asia. I mean, Hong Kong, it's really tough, you know, like they've gone for this zero policy of COVID, same as Australia. A lot of Asian countries like have done the same. China obviously is the big one, but time will tell is it a good solution. I don't know, you know, I'm not a virologist, despite the fact that everyone claims to be an expert now. Who will tell if it's the right decision? But I think it's going to be tough to run events in Asia. I really hope not. You know, I'm due to run an event. You know, I want to run an event in Bangkok in October. Bangkok's very dear to my heart. The second event we ever ran was Bangkok, and I've been running events there for 10 years or 11 years. Hong Kong I love. You know, we're setting up a Hong Kong company now. Maybe I'll talk about that in another podcast. So I think we're ready to go for the rest of the world, and I hope Asia is going to follow suit. So get out there get running events. Let's do it. Let's meet up in person. Let's do it. Now, that's almost the end of this solo episode. I want to ask some feedback here. I've, I've really, I've had a bit of a break the last few weeks. And the thing about this podcast is, you know, I have nothing to promote. I mean, I started it. We had our own software, which I've now sold. Events Frame, by the way, Martin is going to be on the podcast again. So I want to keep going this podcast, but I want to start making some income from this. You know, there's a lot of time and effort required. I want to keep on the two-week schedule. So I want to at least make something uh, from it. And I want, I want to get your feedback in terms of what I could do. Firstly, I was thinking of doing Patreon. You know, Patreon, I can do, you can do a subscription, $5 a month. Um, that to me, I would love to do that. I'd love to, if I got even a couple of people on a Patreon, I'd be like committed because I know they're listening, subscribing. I'll make sure I do good content and, and grow to Patreon. That's one thing. Sponsored episodes, you know, second thing, I get contacted every month by software companies who do ticketing, you know, event online conference software, different things related to events, different platforms. They want to sponsor. They want to do an event where I interview their CEO. I could do those interviews. I could do it. Although, you know, from a kind of journalistic integrity, not that I'm a journalist, but, uh, you know, I'd rather not talk to someone who's promoting something. I'd rather just talk to someone because I want to talk to them. So I think getting an advert, promoting them. Well, I'll do the ad read and I'll check out their products and give my honest feedback and talk about it. I think it could be great. So tell me what you think. Please drop me an email, dan at appsevents.com, D-A-N, appsevents.com. Tell me about what you think we should do. Should we do Patreon? Should I do sponsors? I want to start making some income from this podcast. I want to be motivated to do it. I've got a lot of great content. If you go through the back catalog, there's some amazing content of different people running conferences, trade shows, people doing part-time, full-time, people doing online events, people doing free events. There's everything. I've, I've used it as my own personal learning experience and I've grown my business because of it. So check out the back catalog, get in touch with me. I'm going to be back every two weeks. So take care. And again, let's start running events. Cheers.